I'm Jen Drummond. Welcome to my podcast, Take a Break. As a mom of seven, a business owner, and an individual trying to be the first female to climb the seven second summits, I often need to remember to take a break. Take a Break is about enhancing and preserving the greatest asset you have, you. Listen in as I share personal stories and interview others to help you get the most out of this one amazing life. All right, friends. So today I have my friend Carly on the line. She and I met in Park City. She wrote a book that we're going to talk about today. But more and cool than that is that she has six kids. You know, I have seven. And she did the Wasatch 100, which is a race that I've kind of had my eyes on since I moved to Park City. It is extreme, intense, long 100 miler. And Carly did it. This is a crazy story that her book shares. So talk to us a little bit about your journey, Carly. Oh, thank you, Jen. So nice to be here with you. And what a treat it is, yes, to meet a mother of seven who's also doing amazing outdoor adventures. And just talking about the impact that has on us as moms and also on our kids. But it was an interesting thing that happened for me. And it is a long extended story by the time you take in uh, the writing and the publishing of the book. Because first of all, I had to go through the experience. So David, the kid's father, his father had died when he was only four years old of a heart attack while he was water skiing on Pineview Reservoir at the young age of 42. And David had inherited his father's heart disease. So I knew this when we got married. And he'd become, uh, he was an attorney and we had this family and he'd fallen in love with the Wasatch and running it each year. For those of you who don't know, it's a hundred mile foot race that is run every September, the second week in September here in the Park City area. So it begins in Layton and it goes through four different counties and it's through the Wasatch Mountains. So it's a mountain run and it's not a team relay. You do it all individually. And when he first started, I began crewing him. So you can meet the runners at certain points. You could in those days. The race has gotten so big that you can only meet them at a couple places. But you could meet the runners. So I had a great idea. I mean, I had a firsthand experience of what the race was and because I'd supported David each year. But the summer of his 42nd year, so it was the exact summer that his father had passed away, we were on a training run together and he started experiencing what he didn't know what was happening. But as we crested the height of a mountain pass, he started feeling a tightness in his chest and couldn't get a deep breath. He said, I don't know what's happening. I said, I do. I think it was the first signs of angina. So that whole summer on and off, I was just worried about him running the race and something really happening. So I bargained with him and said, hey, how about if you go in and get open heart surgery and I run the race for you? So that's how the whole thing came to be. You finally kind of got him to say yes, but like, let's tell the audience how soon after this race was. Yeah, that's right. It was only six weeks later. So I only had six weeks to train. For 100 miles. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. um, there's another. There, it, You have to do it in a 36-hour time limit. So you run 
constantly, I mean, if you're really fast, you can stop. But those that are really fast are actually trying to break the 24-hour mark. So everyone runs consistently, and you have to finish in 36 hours. So I showed up at the start line with only six weeks of training. But the night before at the pre-race meeting, the director had said to me, Carly, we're so excited you're doing this and taking David's place. And we've had a special plaque made for him. We want to present it to him at the same time you receive your finishing plaque. And all of a sudden, I was panicked. It was like, oh, I wasn't sure I was going to finish, but now I had to finish. And you just know that the race is grueling enough that if I stopped at any point and we went home, we really wouldn't go back for the award ceremony. And they'd had the special award made. It was a hundred miles of heart. Aww. That was how much they appreciated him. So I felt like John Grove and the race director just gave me this beautiful banner to run under. And that was, you know, it, it is a story of love, of what love will do. Yes, 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 yes. So when you got that, like, okay, now I have to finish within 36 hours, pressure is on. Like, what were you thinking? How did you manage that and hold on to that and keep that as fuel to continue going? I just was nervous to even jump in and get started. But there was also this wonderful thing that happened of, I was always doing it for him. I didn't have a lot of my own ego invested at that time. I really let go in some ways when I showed up at the start and I just had to go with the flow. You know, I really had to take it just mile by mile. And I really also had the sense of it was my first time. At some point, you can try and force it as much as you want. And you really just need to fall back and get in the flow. Yeah, for me, sometimes the quest feels so big, just like you said. And I just have to remember it's one foot in front of the other. Stay consistent. Just focus on that next step. And then you kind of get that momentum. And, you know, it's awesome. Just like that race, you're out in the middle of the wilderness. So it's a chance to just be a part of nature and just allow things to run the course as long as I keep taking steps. <laughs> so very similar to you. So I think that's what happened to me. In fact, the first part of the book I talk about, we came to a part where there were switchbacks. I rounded a corner and I looked up and there was the entire running community all with little flashlights in their hands, just spread out over the mountainside. And it was so beautiful. I mean, you just really go to the depths of your soul. It felt like I was part of a harvest ritual because it was in September. And there I was looking at all of them and my heart just burst open. It was like, wow, this is really something very spectacular. So I think at that moment, you really come to see yourself and you come to see that you are a part of some, something so much greater when you get out in nature than you ever dreamed yourself to be. So I think that was the moment when it all started, when I rounded that corner and just saw this beautiful display of runners. But then the very next moment, I had to jump back because one of the runners was trying to bypass the switchback and just take a shortcut. And we were all packed together, so there weren't very many opportunities for shortcuts. 
So he found one and just almost stomped on my feet. So it's that kind of thing where you just are in awe one minute, you know, in this very uh, spiritual place, if you will, a part of everything. And then the next moment you're back in the race and it's a tough race and you need to buckle down and start be sure that you hydrate and yeah. Yeah. Do all the things. I like what you say about that though. I used to do Ironman and when you are on these stretches in the middle of no man's land, it, it can be one moment amazing and the next moment like a bit lonely and you just kind of vacillate between these two realities. And then all of a sudden you get to a town or you get to a collection of people and those people you crave right? Like you crave their energy, you crave their excitement, and you get this boost of energy again, just being around them. And I think that's a really important point to point out because when we're doing these big, hard pursuits, whatever that is in life for you, it is so important to refuel and recharge with those in your community because that's what gives you the momentum to keep going, especially when you get into those places where you're questioned right? Like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I don't know what's happening. Why did I sign up for this? Like that doubt slips in and you have to have people help intercept that doubt because not always are you in the best mindset to intercept it yourself. So surrounding yourself with the communities, like the running environment, the triathlon environment, work environments, family environments, those all help support you achieve your big goal. Yes, yes. And and yeah. that is what happens on this race because the, every 10 miles or so, they have an oasis, the spots where the volunteers are there with you know anything that you need and most of all, the cheering you on. So yes, those support people make all the difference in the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. And isn't a part of that race, maybe the second half of it where you can have a pacer run with you? Yes, yes. Starting at Mill Creek. As soon as you would be in the dark, you know, as soon as you're finding a place where you're going to be in the dark, then you can have a pacer run with you. And that makes such a difference because they're fresh. They yeah, have yeah, yeah. fresh energy. Yes. And they can also be monitoring. Are you drinking? Are you eating? And I was able to have um, a woman who was there with me who just made all the difference in the world because they're telling you stories there. So you're not in that mind frame of the doubts. And then it's also cooler at night. So that worked out really well. What happened too is that in my own life, it was I surprised myself. You'll have to get the book, but I will say there's a place where you are literally out in the wilderness. They do at night put up glow sticks that light the way, but you need to know the course. And we took a wrong turn. We were going downhill into American Fort Canyon and came upon a Jeep and the fellow was Jeeping another runner out. And what are the chances that we would have come upon someone who would have redirected us? I mean, that was pretty miraculous. But at that moment, I really just had to dig in and dig deep. And sometimes that's my personality too, that when things don't go exactly as they're supposed to, something in me comes alive. <laughs> Yeah. Now what, what is it that comes alive in you? Because Carly's running this race and I'm at mile 85. So she's at mile 85. She's getting close to this point where like calculating how fast do I need to go? How is this working out? Am I going to make it in time? I want my husband to have this medal and they go the wrong way. So I don't understand how you can go the wrong way. And like, what, what, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? How are you responding in this moment? 
Well, I think what I realized and what you sometimes do is that you have to bring all of your energy together. You have to focus. You know, there really isn't time to ask why or be angry. I mean, it was just, I had knew I had to dig deep and focus and turn around and get the job done. Like there was no extra energy to be pissed or anything. It was just like, okay, we goofed. It was back at the last um, rest stop at Line Pass that we took a wrong turn. We know right where we have to go. And what happens too is that I was towards the end of the pack. So a lot of those volunteers have been up all night, but they don't realize how vital it is for them to give directions to the people who are at the tail end, you know, that it really makes a difference that some of those who are in the middle have time to spare, but at the tail end, you're getting down to the, you know, not qualifying. And if you are five minutes late, they just have to draw the line and the directors of all of the ultras support one another, that if you're even five minutes over, those are the rules of that game. So I think I just knew that I had to focus all the energy that was available to me to to get back on track. And that's also happened in my life, I think. I have a son who is a cancer survivor, and he was 24 years old when he was diagnosed. He was at the beautiful Huntsman Cancer uh, Hospital. We are so lucky to have it's have that in our community. It is such a beautiful, beautiful facility. And I think again at that time I was just going, how how am I going to do this? You know, this was a tough time. And once again, you take it a day at a time, just a moment at a time, and you focus. You focus in and don't let that other periphery and noise or distraction that was in your life take over. Yeah. So that power of presence, right? Of just dial in. This happened. That's the past. How do we take our next step? And how do we take our next step? And then just keep using that energy to pivot and go in the direction that you desire. And I think that's a superpower. A lot of us can get caught into the why and how come and who and, you know, all the blame game instead of being like, this is the reality. Here's what I'm facing. Okay, here's where I need to go. Let's put the energy there and go. And I think your story is such a testament of being able to say, we don't have time. We don't have energy to waste. We have to take this game seriously. And now it's time to go and let's just be on our way. And then probably process it a little bit later, right? When it's less, like less in your face at those moments. Right, right, right. And I think I was just happy once again to have the company while I was doing it. I mean, that I wasn't completely lonely, that I was with them. But when I get also within 10 miles of the end, the entire time, I thought that I had an hour to spare. And then we find out that no, I don't have that hour to spare. And once again, you have to go back to your why. Like, why did I sign up for this? What is this about? And what do I want it to look like? And I, you know, when I got to the end and David said, you know, I don't think you're going to make it. It was then my determination <laughs> really went in. It was like, if you think I've come this far, if you think I've come 92 miles not to make it, you can forget you're it. You're wrong. Tell me yeah, what yeah, I yeah. have to do. What do I have to do <laughs> to make this thing work? You know what? And he said, you just need to run eight and a half minute miles from here to the end. So mind you, I'm. it's now 35 hours I've been running nonstop. <laughs> well, little stops along the way, but for the most part. And yeah, I am just like ready to do it. 
And I feel like at that moment, that magnificent higher part of myself really just came in and carried me because he was amazed. I've never run an eight minute mile in my life, but I was able to run eight minute miles. It's fascinating. And find it. And I think um, I love the quote that oftentimes, you know, when it comes down to that, we are pushing past barriers that we never felt ourselves. We'd never encountered countered before because we have never pushed ourselves to those limits. Yeah. Well, you were at a point where what did you have to lose? You might as well just give it all that you can and see where it ends up. And luckily for the, all of us and your story, especially that you did make it to the end. And it's just, I don't know, it's such a story of heart, right? The 100 miles for heart is a great, great banner to run under and then carry that through to the end with all the things that happen throughout the race. It's crazy to me. I think for other moms who are listening, that that is something that we live when we're raising children and being a mom, we live under that banner. It is all heart. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Okay, so you had this epic experience on the trail. Everything came together. How has that experience helped you with other things in life that you've had to navigate? It really helped me because there was a time when my life didn't feel so miraculous. And I went back to write this story. I had to go back and write my own hero story. And it's interesting because with six children, you know how life is just so busy that I ran and I finished, but life went on. It wasn't until later when I needed to go back and reclaim myself and really find the direction that I was going in, that I went back to this story and wrote it. You know, I'd always wanted to be a creative writer, but I think that's another thing is how do we as mothers carve out the time to then share our gifts or develop our own gifts and find ourselves? Can we do both? Can we raise children? Can we give our life to all that it takes to be a part of that? And then also reserve parts of ourselves that are our own gifts that just bring us to life. So it was so much fun for me to use my writing skills to go back. And it was really my heart. It was just like, you need to do this. You need to just retell this story. You need to get it down on paper. And it's been such a wonderful thing to have women contact me and just say, you will never know how much your story changed my life just reading it or how much it resonated with me. Right, right, right. All of our stories, we seem to find each other in them, I think, on a more regular basis than what we think. But um, with your story and where you are now, what would you have told, if you could go back in time, like 25 years, what would you tell your younger self, knowing what you know now? Wow, that is such a good question, isn't it? What would I tell my younger self? I think it is really do what you're doing, like be mindful of how you're doing all of it and do it with a sense of love. Because I think we may be trying in the running, in the ultra events, trying to get somewhere or prove something and to really approach everything that we do that we're already worthy. We're already whole and complete. And then bring excitement and love and wholeheartedness to every adventure. 
I think that's the better way to do it rather than this, I'm not enough. And then doing those things to try and fill yourself up, you know, that's kind of the backwards way. And you really remain empty. I think our mindset and our inner life is really what gives us that sense of wholeness. It's not going to be anything you do on the exterior that's going to give it to you. It's the place you come to where you just know that you're worthy because of who you are. There's not something you have to prove. You know that you're enough. Yes, that's great advice. If we could all follow that better, then we'd be all in a better place for sure. What's next for you, Carly? You, you did this big race. Your family's like more mature now. You have like, wh what's your plans? I think what's next for me is to always be able to say, life, you've come to teach me. You've come to help me walk through my fears. And I think that's such a beautiful thing. I love the way Elizabeth Gilbert in Big Magic, you know, she says to fear, you'll always be with me, but you're going to be in the back seat. Yes, yes, the back seat. You can't get your hands on the radio dials. You can't touch the steering wheel here. And let me tell you, those fears come up. You know, once again, when you're running the race, you've gone the wrong way. But when your child is diagnosed, the fears come up. What am I going to do? And then you go deep within. You invite whatever it's, has come as your teacher and then walking through the fears instead of letting those stop you. Yeah, no, that's that takes real strength to be able to sit in that space and say, what are you teaching me? What am I learning today? How is this showing up to help me? versus hurt me, right? It's it's definitely right, a mindset right. and a, men a mental framework to work with. So how long has your son been in remission? Oh, he's been in for quite a while and he started teaching hot yoga so he could clear all of that chemo out of his body. So that's what he's been doing. And the others, yes, are flourishing. And I have um, decided to work with life coaching and just helping other people get to this point. So I'm all about anxiety-free parenting coaching because I feel like as parents, what we can do is teach our children that it is a miraculous world. And we've been so lucky to be able to go in the backcountry of the Wasatch Mountains. I mean, it is a miraculous, beautiful place to have healthy bodies where we can participate in these wonderful outdoor activities. And I hear that you just have one more to go. You're just going back to Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I have one more mountain. I'm going back in May. So I'm super excited about that. I will be going with the team of six others. So I have my team all selected. We're getting training right now and getting prepared and everybody's ready. So yeah. But I love how you now are in a place where you are a pacer for families right? So back in the race days, you had a pacer to like bring fresh energy and help you through the hard times and guide you into these areas. And now you're giving back to families and helping them with raising their kids and kind of being a pacer and a coach on that side, which is pretty fun to see it go full circle. Yeah, it is. It's neat. And I do think it's so important to teach our children that life can teach you, that life is your friend. You know, even when those tough things happen, that when we have the tools to heal, we know how to get through this and actually come out stronger.
And what are your favorite tools to use to heal? One of the best ones that, that my book Spirited and Running the Wasatch 100 showed me is our identity. Do we believe that we're limitless? Do we believe that infinite possibilities lie within us? Do we dwell in solutions? For every so-called problem, there is a solution. And actually, I just got up this morning and thought, problems are really good because they do keep you active to find the solution. You know, they keep life moving forward. It shows that you're out and about and doing good things. I think that's with every mountain that you took on, you had to have a plan to be able to get to the top and you were going to be confronted with different circumstances to use what we've done in the outdoors to help us navigate and teach our children how to navigate. Oh yeah, for me, movement is so important for anything that I'm navigating. Like the tiniest little bit of progress I can get momentum from and shift and change. So I definitely need movement. And when we're in these big environments and we're just doing life or business or whatever, acceptance, right? It's just accepting that this is the circumstances. This is the card that I was dealt. How do I make it and play it the best way possible? And just keeping that frame of mind when we're entering into any challenging situation. And I'm in the process of writing another book. It's the Princess Diana dichotomy where I feel that sometimes we look like everything's great on the outside, but we don't have a strong inner world. We are really tortured inside. And so I think that's another thing that I'm beginning to explore is how do we help each of our children create resilience by having a strong inner core and a vibrant inner world? Ooh, I like that. That book's going to be exciting. You'll have to let us know when that's coming to print. Yay. All right, friends. Carly, if there's one thing that you can leave our guests with today that they can take home as a takeaway from our interview, what would that be? Yes, that you can live life from the place of the miraculous. I mean, it's so much fun to get up in the morning and to look out the window and go, it's another miraculous day. So I think that mindset of just finding the miracles in our lives is such a beautiful way to live. To do it for love and to realize too that even just the breath that we take is a miracle. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Thank you, Carly. Um, everybody purchase her book. You can get it on Amazon. Um, the Spirited 100 Miles of Heart. I love it. Find me at www.carlyjudhardy.com. Perfect. We'll be looking you up. Thank you, thank you for your time today. I really enjoyed interviewing her because she took on this huge pursuit of our 100 mile race with six weeks to train, which sounds absolutely ridiculous to me. But then I reflect on my own life and I said, hey, I'm gonna go climb Mount Everest. And the tallest mountain I climbed was in the Tetons, which was 13,000 feet and Mount Everest is 29,000 feet. But the truth is, is that when we connect to ourselves and our inner desires and purpose, it is amazing what we can achieve as individuals. On the outside, it probably looked ridiculous. On the inside, there wasn't a doubt in my mind, and I'm not saying that arrogantly. I trained, I put in the time, I was amazed by the journey, and I feel a lot of Carly's story is about stepping into who you are, closing out the noise of the world around you that says, what? And saying, hey, this is me, this is what I'm doing, I'm gonna give it my best efforts, and what happens, happens.